Hey everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm your host, Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Grey Sister, the second book in the Books of the Ancestor series by Mark Lawrence. So let's pull the threads of magic together within books. Again, this book was great, just like the first book. I know I said Red Sister was amazing, and if anything, I think Mark Lawrence has made the second book even better than the first one. It is incredibly full of beautiful prose. I think the story it tells is good and really has more to it than just this, you know, basic story. If you look for it, you can find lots more to dwell on and to think about. So beautifully written, lots to dig into and to talk about. Just, I couldn't, I loved it. I read it so fast. I'm just, I couldn't, didn't want to put it down ever. So I think we'll talk uh, a little bit more about spoilers now, but just a, another great book. Um, it did have a pre-prologue that I, I really enjoyed. I was glad that he put that in because while I read it fairly quickly after the first book, it really clarified a lot of things that I didn't really catch or I had half caught the first time, but having it clarify everything for me really set it in stone and really prepped me for the book. And I really appreciated that. Uh, I assume that there was a bit of time between him publishing, uh, but either way, it it was great. Just a a quick pick-me-up. So this book had less of the future flash that the first book in. The first one kind of felt like every so often, every time we hit like a cornerstone or a milestone in the book, we changed to the future and saw it and then came back. And this one had less of it. And when we had less of it, it was much more clear what was going on. We know who all the characters are for the most part. We know why they're there because it's, of course, building on the first books. And there was less trickery involved where, now I didn't mind the trickery in the first book because it played a part and it enhanced the story, I think, incredibly. But this one is more... Here's what's going to happen, and there were fewer sections of it, so I enjoyed that. Um, Let's see. Our first thing is that we are two years later in the story. So Nona has advanced to Mystic class, and she's talking to someone in her head, and you know, named Coet. Coet. I'm not sure how you really pronounce it, but I honestly thought that was her shadow at first, and not a demon slash devil thing that has ridden that lives with inside her now and wants her to just straight up murder you know everybody yeah so that was good to learn about that that demon is what we're going to call it had gotten into her when she killed Raymel Taxis in the last book and that it was one of the devils that had been pushed inside of him and was keeping him alive and of course as Nona has moved to a new class she also has to have a new enemy because Clara, her previous friend slash enemy, has left the nunnery, the monastery at this point. And we are introduced to Jolie, who I disliked from the beginning, and I will continue to dislike until Nona gets fed up with her and kills her because she's a huge jerk and she would not let go of her past and her noble ship inside the monastery. She's better. She's going to have you know it. And I liked how Nona dealt with it 
without killing her because she easily could have killed her at any time with her flaw blades. So I appreciated that, that she didn't. Uh, another scene I really enjoyed was her shade trial. Now the shade trial for the mystic class is that they have to cross the square unchallenged. And this usually happens in the city they're closest to. But because of Nona and because of certain circumstances that we'll talk about, it's unfeasible for them to do that. And so it has been moved to the monastery, which is really unfair to Nona because everybody knows what she looks like there. She can't really hide or blend in with other people. But I did call how she was going to get over, how she was going to get to the tree. The, the rule is to go to the tree, unclaim, unchallenged, climb it, find a box, open the box, and you get the most points. Every time they challenge, they lose a meal if it's wrong. So just great. I didn't call all of her friends helping her in the way they did, mainly by pretending to be her and attempting to get to the tree so they could waste challenges. But I did know that Nona was going to fly slash jump and get to the tree because that's how she works on her blade path. I knew that that was going to be, and I was so glad to see it. It was just great. Another spot I would be remiss if I didn't talk about is that they go down to the caves underneath the monastery where the ship heart used to be, and they just have fun there, you know, kind of their secret meetings, even though no one's allowed there. And Jolie manipulates Nona into feeling even worse than she already does about her friend Hesse dying. And so Nona says, okay, we're going to go down to the caves and we're going to go find where the ship heart used to be. I need to see where Hesse died. And so they go down there, and they meet a cave monster, and even Colt, the demon in her head, set, you know, tells her to flee, tells her to run. They all panic, they flee, they barely get out of there. And when they get to the top, Nona realizes that she's the only one who really, like, remembers what they were running from, because Colt protected her, and that what they are running from was a hollow thur, I think is how I'm going to say it, but... It's like a hologram of your fear, and I guess it can move. It was crazy. Just the imagery there, and the you could like feel the fear coming off of them through the book. But the most amazing thing about it is that it could pull their threads, the threads of the quantal marginal magic, and so it tied up the memory of them being in the cave and going back to the cave with their deepest fear. So they just instinctively avoid it. And that was... That's intense and scary, you know, a monster that can use magic and use it effectively to make you forget that it's really there. That's bad news. I did like how Nona fixes it, you know, she works at it eventually. And instead of doing the traditional path weaving to get rid of it, she's able to kind of work it a different way and fix the problem bit by bit so that her friends can go back down with her. And then she stands and faces it and says, you know, no, I'm going to face my fear. And it kind of just disappears, so I don't know if that's all that was taken, all that it needed before it would leave, or if something else is going on. And of course, what would this book be without a little bit of Inquisition slash monetary religious versus civilian duties? So, and the Inquisition has come to the monastery, led by a brother Pelter. And boy, going into it, I just knew I felt sorry for him already at the beginning, going up against Abbas Glass whom I'm proud to say we learned a little bit about, that she has not as much work with the threads or with the marginal kind of magic or the path, but that she has this great intuition that kind of subconsciously reads things and 
ascribes importance to it and she can really plan and see the dominoes and how they're going to fall and just make sure that everything topples you know kind of in the right way that she wants and boy was that exciting to see so they are going on their path you know she's been arrested for heresy of all things because Nona decided to write about uh, an ancient saint that is supposedly a heretic that we really have no idea about so so Abbas Glass is being brought by Brother Pelter to stand trial for her crime of heresy. And she's like, oh, by the way, you can't take me to an Inquisition Tower because I used to be an Inquisitor. And there's the law that says you can't take me to an Inquisitor Tower because then everybody would just take their bosses and force them to commit, you know, to say heresy and they'd get their job. So you can't take me there. And he's like, oh, fine. You know, I play by the rules, even though I'm a horrible person and don't play by the rules. And so she's planning that she'll go to the emperor. He'll have to say all these things in front of them, and we'll see if he gets, if he even approves of this. And the whole time, she's just needling him, needling him, needling him, planning where you're going to do this and how you're going to do that. And don't forget this law that says this. Oh, did you happen to forget this law that says this? Oh, it was just awesome living in her mind and talking to Brother Pelter like this. You, you knew it was coming, and you love. I loved every minute of it. So they get closer, and Brother Pelter reveals, Ha, I've tricked you. We're not going to the Emperor. We're going to the Empress. We're going to Sherzal, the Emperor's sister. Excuse me, she's not the Empress. At least, not yet. Because when we get there, the Inquisition is the greatest thing ever. Brother Pelter says, Okay, I'm accusing you of heresy, and... Abbas Glass is like, well, okay, I plead not, I don't plead not guilty, and I don't plead innocent, I or guilty, I plead special circumstances. And they're like, what, what special circumstances exclude you from heresy? And she's like, well, if you look at this note that I have in my pocket, and so they pull it out, and she has a thing that says she's allowed heresy. <laughs> so funny, just like the fact that she had prepared it and brought it and hidden it the whole way. And then she's like, well, what are we doing? They're like, what are we doing here for an inquisition then? She's like, well, if you look in my other pocket, you'll find another paper. And it's a paper that allows Sherzol to be interrogated and imprisoned for stealing their, for sending Yisht to steal their ship heart. And it was beautiful seeing that scene unfold. Because honestly, I had no idea how Abbas Glass was going to get out of that situation alive and how she was going to get her position at the monastery back. I was really hoping that she was going to, but I really didn't know. And so, of course, Sherzal is about to start being questioned for stealing the ship heart, and she basically says, yeah, I did steal the ship heart, and I did, and this is why. I stole the ship heart so that I can use it and the other ship heart that we have, along with the two ship hearts that the Barbarian Queen has, and we're going to use it to control the Ark and control the moon and basically freeze all of our enemies to death and keep our lands warm and prosperous and make them bigger. And everybody flips out at that. There's people going for it. There's people against it. Big riot goes out. Oh my gosh. And I guess now it's actually time to return to Nona. I know I left her for a minute, but I really enjoyed the Abbas glass and then the Nona scenes where they switched around each other. It was quite good. All right, so let's go back and talk about what Nona's been doing while Abbas Glass has been having fun with Brother Pelter. When Brother Pelter arrived at the monastery, 
he did so with very specific thoughts and reasonings, and I'm guessing you can guess what one of them is. That's right, he's been paid off most likely by Sherzal and the Taxis, and she he wants Nona. So, he com- comes up with a reason, oh, Nona was in the caves and she shouldn't have been, and you said that anybody who was in the caves would be banished. And Avis Glass, of course, oh, it's okay. You know, I was in a state of anger when I made that proclamation. She's a th- very powerful three blood and a shield. We can't let her just go and be banished. And Brother Pelter's like, yeah, you're right. But we have to stick by the rules because who can, who are we if we can't stick by the rules? So let's kill her and then throw her off a cliff so that she can't be used of use to our enemies because she's dead. And she's banished because we threw her off a cliff. And I was like, oh, I do not like you for suggesting this. Do not like you at all. Just cementing my opinion of him. So, of course, Nona escapes with Sister Kettle. And she basically tells her, hey, just run, keep going. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where you're going to go. But survive, live. Hopefully we can get you back someday or something. So she decides to go to her old home. And she finds out that her home has been destroyed because she killed all of the guards. And more importantly, she killed the Quantal worker that was sent to capture her when she was a young child. So, kind of depressing for her. Her whole home's destroyed. And then she's captured by the Noigween. Or the Noigween. Let's call him the Noigween. And so she is taken back. They keep her trapped and very well secured the whole time. And they actually bring her to the Noguin hideout, which, as you would not believe it, is under Sherzil's apartment slash, you know, manor empire, where Abbas Glass is having an inquisition on her. So, quite uh, interesting there. Of course, at this time, Kettle has come back and has been trying to rescue Nona, and she's also met Zol, who came on the way. And even though Zol doesn't really show her friendship very much, you can see that she is important. And I love that Zol, every time someone's like, oh, you can't do that. There she's always like, well, you know, you believe I'm the chosen one, so you better let me do it. I can do it. I'm the chosen one. Even though we all know and everybody knows that she doesn't really believe she's the chosen one. Because, of course, as we learned in the last one, the chosen one prophecy is basically false and doesn't really mean anything. So while in the Noguin hideout nona is held captive she is given chances to kind of escape but someone's always watching her and preventing her from escaping and then ray not raymel raymel's father walks in and he tortures her with a torture stone pain stone oh man that that sounded bad you just touch it to your skin and it turns on and makes you hurt and Of course, that provides her with the determination to get out. Not that she was lacking any, but it provides her with a little bit more, and she starts to get free. That whole scene was great, where her and Sister Kettle are both kind of running around doing their own things. I love that we got to see Sister Kettle in action, doing what she does, not best, but pretty good, and just fighting and killing and stopping. Uh, It was great. Then, we meet Yisht. Because Nona does not want to leave without the ship heart that they that was stolen from them. And Yisht is covered in the demons that Nona is plagued with. Nona's plagued with one. Yisht has many. And while Yisht was powerful before, she's even more powerful now. It's quite crazy. But Nona is able to fight Yisht to 
kind of a standstill, less of a standstill and more of a, you just haven't killed me yet. And then somehow pushes her demon coat into Yisht, which causes a huge problem because these demons are like mental beings and putting them in, they could, they would fight for territory or control. And so it really pushes them in, you know, when she pushes it in, it makes it a lot tougher for Yish. She collapses. They're able to escape, but not with the ship heart because the ship heart is what creates the demon things. And I have a small theory about that, that they represent a vice of the person, whoever they are, that is near the ship heart. And then when you overcome that vice, that makes you more stronger in the ways of the Quantal or the Marjol because Nona's abilities have really progressed in this book in those two fields. And the only difference is this really that Quant, you know, she was near the ship heart and has this demon. And the more you give in to its desire, for quote, it was to kill people, you know, the bigger, the stronger it gets on you. And the more you do the opposite or spare people or show mercy in Nona's case, the smaller it gets and the weaker it gets. And so when she stops in to save her sister Kettle's life from Yisht, you know, it's able to push her out, push it out and go into Yisht. So that was incredibly cool scene. Now I'm going to skip all the nitty gritty details here, but Abbas Glass and all the other apprentices who managed to get there and Nona and sister Kettle all kind of meet up, leaving Sherzal's, Sherzal's mansion. And Nona has to walk the path a second time in a day, which is incredibly risky. No one says it can be done, but she does it, and she pushes the cart, and they are able to make their break. And I just thought it was great. Oh, before I forget, before she leaves, she takes the pain tool that the Taxus used on her, and she uses it on him and paralyzes him and then tapes it to his back so that he can't remove it in a hidden kind of hideaway spot. And so who knows how long that was going to last on him or if he'd just die straight up from the pain before somebody could come remove it. That was that was a touching and a powerful, powerful scene that Mark Lawrence wrote there. So they leave. They're on their way out. They've, you know, escaped. And then Zol pops out and she is carrying another ship heart. But not their ship heart. No, she has stolen the ship heart of the Nogween, which was funny and great, and then we see from Nona's perspective that one of the demons crosses into her. And so I'm looking forward to seeing if my theory about those is right or how far off I was, but I am excited to see it. And then in the last future flash of the book that we'll talk about, we see that it's Lanotaxis who has been who's employing all these armies and these people to come and kill Nona and to attack the monastery with the Noguin. And the Noguin are there in force because of all the damage that they've wrought. So just again, I have to say it an excellent book. If number, if Red Sister, the first book in this series, was a five out of five stars, then I think I have to put Grey Sister at a six stars because everything that was good about the first book, he's made better in the second book. And it was incredibly beautiful to read with an incredibly powerful story. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's going to wrap up my discussion of Grey Sister by Mark Lawrence. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. You know, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you have any questions or comments, send them to thebromancypod 
at gmail.com. And remember to pull the threads of magic within books. <laughs> <laughs>